Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19, I want you to just listen to it for a moment. Jesus was teaching his disciples about prayer, and he said something to them like this. He said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There are two realms that you and I, uh, that we are affected by, to say the least. Uh, One of them, of course, is the natural realm that we live in, and the other is a spiritual or an unseen realm. One is a seen realm, and one is an unseen realm. And in that unseen realm, there are forces of darkness. Uh, There's the work of the devil that tries to come against people's lives. There are demons, there are principalities and powers, wicked spirits, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the Bible says uh, in in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And then there are also angels, and there is uh, the Holy Spirit, and there, there are ministering spirits that are sent to minister for the heirs of salvation, the Bible says. And, there, there, and then we are in this natural realm, and there is a parallel, and there's also an element of uh, access from this realm into that realm. We are in a natural realm, and we are connected to, for sure, a spiritual realm. Can I get a hallelujah from somebody? It's very plain. Jesus talks about it, demonstrates it. Paul deals with it. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament both. It's all through the Bible, and we understand that. If we try to access anything in that spiritual realm outside of Jesus, the Bible says we are like a thief and a robber. You never need to go through that door any way except through the blood of Jesus. That's why he's given you his name. And his name has power. That's why we don't go to, uh, to Madam X out there with the red palm and we ask her to read our, you know what I'm saying. We don't, we don't do any of that. That's demonic. It's, uh, it's not of God. She's either demon possessed or she's just a charlatan and a fake, one of the two. Uh, either way, it is not of God. I don't, even, I don't even read a horoscope. I open a newspaper up, I won't even read a horoscope personally. And I mean, I know people won't even get out of bed hardly until they read the horoscope. And I'm like, oh my goodness, man, why do you think they call it horror? You know, that that thing's not of God. You know, it's either just a con game or it's something demonic. And so just stay away from it. The Bible says have nothing to do with those kind of things. Because you can entertain what's not of God and it'll follow you to the house. Uh, By the same token, I thank God greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, the Bible says. That, that which is not of God that tries to come against you. And so Jesus, of course, was teaching his disciples in prayer. He said, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Those are extremely powerful, powerful words. Uh, when we began Abundant Life Christian Center in 1985, that's one of the, uh, that is the first series that I taught. And I'm not going to teach a series tonight but I taught on that particular topic that we have to learn how to cooperate with the spirit realm through Jesus. That's why when we pray in the name of Jesus, come on, shout his name out loud. That name, God has given dominion, authority, and power over everything that can be named. Every word, uh, if you read it in a, uh, in a very generic uh, condition, it says every word that is worded 
And God spoke and he created everything with a word and he gave Adam that same ability to have power in his words. And so uh, it's like God had reserved a word for his son that was the 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 absolute Magna Carta, so to speak, of all of the words that can be worded. And it had preeminence. It had dominion when it's spoken on lips of faith in reference to the Son of God. So it's something that's from the Spirit that connects with the name of Jesus. And when you do, it is supercharged and super energized in you, by you, and through you. Come on, shout the name of Jesus. Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Get it in your spirit real strong. God has given him the word, the name that is above every name that is named. Have you ever noticed when somebody wants to curse out in the world and stuff, they don't say, oh, Muhammad, oh, Buddha. No, hell tries to mock the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So we do not loosely or lightly use the name of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about some boy who's named Jesse or Jesus or something like that. I'm talking about when you are speaking about the Son of God and the name that God has given him and on lips of faith, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you, listen to this, whatever you bind in the, one one, uh, translation says, whatever you deny in the seen realm is denied or prohibited in the unseen realm. And whatever you loose or whatever you permit or allow in the seen realm is loosed and permitted in the unseen realm. Oh my goodness. Paul says, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things that are seen, but things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. So we do not focus our lives just on this seen realm, but we're always looking into what the Scripture calls the author of our salvation. We're always looking to that unseen realm also. Uh, uh, the earth we live in and the world we live in, it's almost like it is a mirror uh, of what's going on in the unseen realm. And so if, uh, if the enemy's trying to destroy, hurt, uh, in any way bind up, uh, understand that it's not always the circumstance or the effect on the outside that you are dealing with. I'm not going to teach this long tonight, but someone shout, I'm learning right now. Sometimes it's because of an unseen effect that creates a seen effect. Uh, when we began Abundant Life Christian Center in 1985, shortly after that, it was in 1986 when I had this experience, one day I was praying, and uh, the little, uh, little stage that we had, I was laying like there, and I had my head up against the, uh, the, the bottom step of that. I think we only had three steps or so, little steps. And I was laying there, and I was just praying. And it was on a Tuesday, and I was in intercession and just praying by myself, which I do still uh, more than I pray publicly now because of some of the things I want to pray. I just soon pray them, and some things I don't want anybody else listening to. Sometimes the pastor's prayer becomes someone else's gossip. I better watch out. But anyway, so I'm cautious about uh, some of those things. But anyway, so I was praying in intercession over people and over things and over the move of God. And in front of me, I'm not a person given a lot to spiritual visions. 
but I believe it was a like a day vision or a vision that God allowed me to see something. It's like a screen turned on, like a like a giant projector screen turned on, and I saw out over the causeway, uh, up suspended in the air, up over the causeway, a big spiritual being that was suspended in the air just like this, with her arms folded just like that. Just like that. I could tell just by the look that was on him that whatever he was, he was of uh, some element of importance. He must have had a rank to him of some kind. Uh, His skin kind of looked like, uh, almost like the skin of a bat. Just like leather with uh, a real, real... And the Holy Spirit said to me, Now, you can see him right now, but he can't see you. It was very real, very vivid. Uh, The church wasn't uh, a year old at that time, Uh, approximately a year old at that time. Uh, We just literally had a handful of members in the church. And the Holy Spirit said to me, because I was praying about revival and praying about a move of God and praying what we were going to do. And we were in a little rented building and and a little warehouse that we had rented and and we were just praying and believing God. What's our next step? What's the next step? Uh, Lord, we want souls. We want men and women. Uh, we want to be a church that uh, loves every person like Antioch Church. Uh, we want a multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-age uh, group, all of those things uh, that just shows the love of God and operates in the power of the Holy Ghost and the revelation of the Word of God. And uh, has an impact on children and on the young and old alike for the name of Jesus. And so we were praying that. That's the, the way I pray still today, and that's the way we pray. And so the Holy Spirit said to me, now listen, he said, now that's a principality in the spirit realm who thinks that he owns this region where his authority is. He's caused, and he began to tell me, the Lord began to tell me how that spirit had taken authority in the natural over this region. In the natural, had caused the effects, all of the child abuse and the pedophilia and, and the and all of the divorces and and all of the adulteries that were going on and and the accidents that were taking place and we've had some severe accidents in this region over uh, uh, many of the uh, plants and things of that nature and and uh, the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about it and he said now that demon is the reason. Uh, that so many churches fail in this region. He causes envy and strife and jealousy. And when he does, it splits him up. Racism was a given. And the Lord was instructing me on these things. I, was, I wrote them down. Was instructing me on that and other things that, that it wouldn't be right for me to talk publicly about. And the Holy Ghost began to give me understanding. And then the Lord said to me, If you want to see the church built in this region, you're going to have to take authority over him and rebuke him and bind him and get him out of here. We think God's going to do that, but God isn't going to do that. You have to take your authority, even in your own house. And so we begin to pray. I called together a, a little handful of men that were members of the church at that time. I told them about that a dream, and I mean that vision that I'd had. And I said, we need to pray about this. And every time you pray, I want you to see what, what I just talked about. You bind that demon in Jesus' name and rebuke him in Jesus' name. 
Everybody shout, in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. I, rebuke I rebuke the force of darkness. So the Holy Ghost began to talk to me about that. And he said, you tell him to go out into the sea. Jesus said, whoever will say to the mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, doubt not in his heart, believe the thing you say will come to pass. That's the uninhabited region, the sea, the uninhabited region. And so we would pray and we'd say, and in the name of Jesus, I bind that demonic force. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Go out into the sea. Go to the uninhabited regions of the earth. And then we just worship the Lord. We just continue with doing what we're doing. But it was a part of our prayer life. It was months later, and almost immediately, the church began to grow. Favor began to come, uh, an abundant life. Families began to come. The goodness of God. Things began to happen. And we continued to pray that. I still pray that way right now. I need somebody else to rise up in Jesus' name and pray with me. Speak to the mountain and tell it to be gone. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The devil just thinks he is the prince and power of the air. But Jesus said that a demon or a person or a king is uh, safe in his own position until a stronger one than him comes upon him and takes dominion from him. How many of you have read that? Well, through Jesus, you and I have authority and dominion over every spiritual force. So we just pray against it in Jesus' name. Don't spend all day praying against it. Just pray. Speak the word of God. Believe in your heart. That thing has to go. We're not demon chasers. I don't think there's a demon behind every rock. I'm not out looking for demons. You serve God enough, you'll deal with what you have to deal with. But in the name of Jesus, you have authority and dominion over that. And so in the occasions when you need it, so we begin to pray that and we would bind that and rebuke it and command it to go. The church began to increase and grow. Men and women begin to come to the house. We begin to get land. Before long, somebody gave $20,000 in the offering one Sunday. The Lord said, that's the seed money for the first building you're going to build. So we did that, built our first building and paid for it. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And we were two years old by the time when we, on, the, on the week that we dedicated that building, or the month we dedicated that new, uh, our first building. Uh, two years old. It was a blessing to be able to say that. Now, months later, I was in prayer, and I had that same experience again. And I saw that principality in the air. But he was way out over the gulf. Have you, ever, have you ever stood on the seawall or been around there and you look out there on a clear day and you see all of those uh, little wells? You know, those things are, what, five or ten miles out there. They're way out there. And you can kind of just see them out there, all those oil wells. And, or maybe you see uh, how those ships will line up that are waiting to get into the uh, channel, into the port and all that kind of stuff. And there's liable to be 50 or 100 of them sometimes. There'll be so many of them out there, big old boats and big old ships. Well, I saw him out like that. But in the vision, I saw him and he had these lines like veins running through him. And in the, in the vision, I said, Lord, what are, what are those veins? What are those lines on him? And the Lord said to me, those aren't veins, those are cracks. And every time you speak the name of Jesus against him, you hit him and you drive him back. And you're driving him back. Every time you speak that name, you have authority. The Bible says the word of God is like a hammer that hits a rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You and I have to be people that understand that we are to cooperate with God when it comes to the unseen as well as the seen realm. We are to obey God. Sickness has a spiritual source. Poverty has a spiritual source. Hate, envy, all of those things manifest in the natural, but there's a spiritual motivation many times behind those things that are not of God. Praise the Lord. So we need to use wisdom and we need to have the knowledge of the Word of God. Jesus over and over operated that way. And he, of course, is God in flesh, but he was setting the example for you and me. How many of you are glad you have authority in the name of Jesus if Jesus is your Lord? Yes. Come on, and the Holy Spirit lives in you and on you. When the thief tries to steal, you rise up in Jesus' name. Take your authority. Now, go quickly to the book of Mark chapter 4, and uh, we're not going to be long tonight, but I just want to show it to you in the Scripture because it really doesn't take long to get the Word if God gives you a revelation, gives you an understanding. Hallelujah. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. Thank God we have power over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means destroy us, the Bible says. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Look, if you would, just for, just for a moment, at Mark chapter 4. I'll give you an example of this. This is the story of Jesus. Uh, when he gets in a boat with his disciples and he decides to go to the other side. Look at verse, for, for time's sake, I'm going to begin in about verse 37. You read the whole thing when you get a, an opportunity. Verse 37, and the Bible says, Jesus is in the boat. The disciples begin to go across this, uh, this sea. It's a, it's a calm night. It's a great night for sailing. Actually, start in verse 36, and let me carry you through from 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took Jesus, even as he was. Ooh, I really want to preach that tonight. You got to take Jesus the way he is. He will, he will receive you the way you are, but you can forget staying the same. I hear people say, come as you are, you'll be accepted. Well, that's true. Anybody can come. We all come to him the way we are. But I promise you, he has no intention of keeping you in the same condition you are. You and I will, in a process, as we serve the Lord, be changed into his image. A little more, the Bible says, from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Thank God. God is the God. He is the change agent in you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is. So they took Jesus as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Let me just mention, that's the last time you hear about those jokers. They're like, we in the Jesus posse, we've just been multiplying bread and fish, we're having a big crusade, we're doing all of that, the revival's going on, let's all get in boats and go with Jesus. And there's other little ships going with him. And then all of a sudden the storm comes up and the other boats are gone. I don't even want to get over there. I, I better just move on. Like, have you ever had people say, I'm with you all the way. It doesn't make any difference. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We can do it. We can do it. And in the moment the devil goes, boo, some way or another, you're like, where are you? Just a thought. Verse 37. And then there arose a great storm of wind. 
And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And Jesus, he was in the hinder part of the ship and he was asleep on a pillow. Oh my goodness. And then they woke him up and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Jesus just got up and rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Look at verse 37. In case you forget everything else pastor says tonight, remember this in verse 37. You notice what it says? There arose, the Bible says, a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. Everybody say, great storm. And then look at verse 39. Everybody say, great calm. Isn't that interesting? Every time the enemy tries to give a great storm against your life, just remember God is going to manifest an answer with great peace, great calm. Something from God is going to happen that is amazing. If you just stick with the word, uh, for the sake of a talking point that I believe God will drill into your inner man, just listen to this. Anytime you get in the boat and you're afraid your boat's going down, wake up the word. Jesus is called the Word made flesh who dwelt among us. You and I have this right here, the Word of God. Come on, shout it with me. Wake up the Word. Now look, don't in, enhance and increase your ability to panic and freak out. Some people just have the, the natural gift to freak. I mean, they can just freak out over the weather. The temperature can drop and they're like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. Go outside, it's cold, you know, and, they, uh, and they, they're all upset. And they're just, just railing how bad the wind is and, and the weather and the temperature. And then they get in their car and they're upset. And they slam the door and the wind is cold and it breaks the window. And then things just get worse. Who knows what I'm talking about? Don't, don't look at someone. Just kind of look straight ahead. <laughs> the scripture says right here, Jesus was in the midst of a great storm. And when he spoke to it correctly, the Bible says it became a great calm. So I don't know what the enemy is trying to do right now in your life and what circumstances have tried to bring upon you that are causing the spirit of, of storm to try to show up. But just remember, God has a great answer for every great problem that's coming your way. Come on, that's a great place right there to just take a moment and praise God. I mean, just let that get in your spirit today. So let me teach just for a moment. If I had a title for this today, I think I would call it Overcoming the Invisible and Unexpected Foe. How to overcome the invisible, unexpected foe. Do you notice what happened right here with Jesus? And I think, this, I think it's worth understanding this because you see it more than once. Jesus, the Bible says, got in the boat and there arose. There arose, and that word arose is a word you'll see numerous times in the scripture. It's the word genomai in the Greek. And I didn't give them the words to put up on there tonight. I just want you to get it. And the word, uh, it says, and it arose, there arose a great storm. And it just means something that takes uh, someone off guard or completely by surprise. It means to happen suddenly and then it comes into being. Something that's real unexpected. There arose. They get in the boat. The other little boats are with them. They're just going out over the sea. Everybody's having a hallelujah time. 
They're talking about how Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish and thousands are being fed with a few loaves and fishes. And then all of a sudden it caught him by Jesus like, I'm going to go down and take a nap. I've been working a lot. I'm just going to get there and go to sleep. And all of a sudden it caught him totally by surprise. Peter being a, a, a fisherman, he was actually a commercial fisherman uh, when Jesus called him. And it caught him totally by surprise. And suddenly here comes a great storm, the Bible says, a great wind. Now listen, the one thing you can't see is wind. Wind is not seen. And Jesus used this example for you now to understand the natural and the spirit realm. There are a lot of things that have a natural manifestation, but they have a, uh, a source that uh, causes it to take place, but you can't see it. For instance, radar. We have an FM radio station here right now, 24 hours a day. We're beaming out all over Galveston County. And then the internet online is streaming those things right off of this tower out here, this 200-foot tower that the church owns. And those radio waves are going all through you. They're just everywhere near. You can't see them, but they have an effect. And the unseen, someone learned how to harness that. And so they harnessed uh, in theory. They did it with theory. And that theory gave them an understanding of reality. And when they did it, they understood uh, more how to harness it. And the further we go along, the more they learn to harness the unseen just in the natural, that natural unseen realm. It's amazing how it comes into manifestation. I'm still stunned how you got a little cell phone in your hand. And sometimes you push the button, bam, and hits a satellite up there, goes over there, bam, 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 comes in on the other side of the world. And it may take almost a second for that to happen. Now, just tell me how that happens. There is a dimension, there's an unseen realm that's not limited in any way by time and distance and all of those kind of things. But that being said, there is a spiritual realm that Jesus talks about. Paul writes about it. Once again, Old and New Testament, you see it all the way through there. Jesus uses this illustration. The Bible says, suddenly there arose a great wind a great storm, and it begins to cause the sea to churn real bad, and the waves are hitting that boat, and the Bible says they filled up the boat. Well, I can see Peter and, and the rest of them, and they're trying to bail out the boat. And it's like, bail it out. I don't know where this thing came from. It's horrible. And the Scripture says, finally, the boat was full of water, and they thought they were going to sink. Now, I'm not sure how Jesus was asleep on a pillow somewhere and not underwater, but the Bible says that Jesus had gone to the back part of the boat, implying that it made, or might have even had some kind of a little cabin of some kind in it. And Jesus was asleep on a pillow. How many of you are glad that our Heavenly Father uh, and His Son and His Spirit do not have the gift of panic? The Bible says that they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, Master, don't you care that we perish? Has anyone ever been? Don't lift your hand on this one. <laughs> Have you ever been in a difficult to desperate situation and the answer hadn't broken through yet? And you almost get mad at God because it hadn't happened? Oh my goodness, this is confession night, isn't it, huh? And all of a sudden you're wondering, why doesn't it happen? Why did God let Jesus win the boat? Like, why did God do this? 
Well, God didn't do it, but he's going to use that as a great teaching moment for you and me at 601 Delaney Road in, 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 in January of 2020. And he does the body of Christ to teach us how some things actually happen, how he had that authority. And when the Holy Spirit and the word of God comes upon you, you have a measure of that. You have a measure of that authority. Uh, we don't have it in its fullness yet, but I can tell you that the measure that you have, oh, hallelujah, it'll make you victorious in this life. If we'll learn how to obey God, how to obey and uh, work in the ways uh, of the Holy Ghost. And the scripture says, the wind and the waves, the waves were the seen effect. They were the felt effect. They were the impact of what was happening from because of the unseen. And the scripture says that wind is blowing. You can't see the wind. Jesus said that in John 3. You can't see it. You don't know where it's going, but he said that's the way the Holy Ghost is too. You can't see the Holy Ghost, but you can experience him. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says, they said, Jesus, do you care? Don't you even care that we perish? And that's an interesting word. It just literally means, it's the word apolumai, and it's all through uh, the New Testament. But it means to destroy. It means something that is undone, or something that is unraveled, or something that's coming apart, uh, something that's breaking into pieces, uh, potentially. And so they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're just about to fall apart? Don't you understand the boat's full of water and this thing's about to collapse? We're about to all go down? It's about to all unravel around us. Anybody ever felt like that? Do you notice as soon as they talked to Jesus, Jesus responded. They're up there trying to do it all by themselves. And the answer to everything is in the boat with them. And I'm not sure why they didn't go wake him up first. But have you ever known Christians? And I, Once again, this is not public... Confession night. But have you, have you ever known Christians that the last, well, the only thing I have left is God. I've tried everything else. The only thing left is just God. I'm like, like, like that's like, like the bottom of the barrel. We need to guard our mouths. We need to guard our hearts. Uh, I don't care what it is. Uh, the word and the ways of God ought to be the very first thing that we uh, begin to uh, defer to. Now, that doesn't mean that we do nothing. We're people that ought to be bailing the boat too. But whatever you do, wake up the word first. Because the boat won't get full if you'll wake up the word first. Come on, somebody shout first. first. Uh, the reason that they didn't wake up the word first, Jesus goes on in verse 40 and says to them, O ye of little faith. They should have woke him up first. And for the sake of understanding, as I get ready to finish this tonight, uh, when it says, oh, ye of li little faith, it's an interesting word. It's used about four, either four or five times there uh, in, in uh, uh, those gospels. And it's the word illegal pistos. Uh, faith is P-I-S-T-E-S, pistos. And illegal pistos is one Greek word, but it's... Uh, uh, defined with about five words or so, O ye of little faith. Five English words. O ye of little faith, illegal pistos, Jesus said to them. And it doesn't mean faith in the sense of volume or amount. It means faith in the sense of duration. 
Like we were back on the shore just an hour and a half ago, and we're, we're healing and we're casting out and we're multiplying bread and fish and we're teaching and everybody's like, woohoo, the revival's on. We're going to take over the world. And we got faith and our other ships are jumping in there with them. And then all of a sudden the storm rises up and the other ships are nowhere to be seen. And Jesus said, why didn't your faith last any longer than this? Sometimes we get in a praise service. I'm not putting you down. I'm just talking the way that this is what Jesus said. Sometimes we'll get in the, in the house of God and we're like, whoo, the word's in me powerful. I got it. That devil's going to have to F-L-E-E in Jesus' name. He got to G-O. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's all over you. I mean, you're like, woo it's going to happen. And then you turn on the TV and you see there's a virus. Oh my God, I'm going to take my vacation. I'm not saying don't use wisdom, of course, in anything you do, but you can't let that spirit of fear get on you. Now the same faith is building when you're hearing the word taught and God is talking to you and you're in your heart. You got to keep that stirred up in your life when you walk out of here, especially when you walk out of here. It's not ever hard to have faith when you're in a house of faith. The high praises of God, the gifts of the Spirit, something can happen at any moment. Miracles can break out on the row around you there. Answers will begin to manifest in people's lives and they'll know they have it. But the moment you walk out, the enemy's going to try your faith. James 1 says, the trying of our faith worketh endurance. It worketh patience. Romans says that. The trying of our faith worketh patience. So the enemy's really not after you, he's after your faith. Because your faith is where God and you are connected from the heart. You believe in your heart, you say it with your mouth. You believe in your heart, the word and the ways of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, uh, the scripture says, Jesus asked them, why didn't your faith last any longer than that? They're like, why couldn't we do it? He said, why didn't your faith last any longer? You can't allow your circumstance to change your revelation of who you are in Christ and who he is in you and what he can and will do through your life. Come on, you ought to clap your hands right there. I mean, it ought to just get in your spirit. A great time right there to praise God. Come on, just seal it with your praise when you do that. And so the scripture goes on and says, they said, do you care? Don't you care that we're we're about to come apart? We're going to perish. This thing's going to sink to the bottom of the sea. And the Bible says, Jesus just arose at their request. When they called on him, he got up. Now, he's going to come with answers. He's going to come with power. But you let him have the right to talk to you uh, as he meets that need. Just allow him to have the right to talk to you and to speak into your life. Like, Peter, don't have such short-term faith. Don't let the circumstance be what determines if you are believing or not believing. You're living in a fallen realm, but you have authority, you have power, you have light in darkness, and God will bless you. Goodness and mercy will overcome you. He is a good God. Come on, guys. And even right here, God will bless you. You'll be the head and not the tail. All of those things, but it doesn't happen without challenge. 
you have an opponent. Whether you're a believer or not. Because hell is after your faith. And listen, if you forget everything else I say, remember this. Hell is after the God potential that's on the inside of you. That gets activated when you believe in Jesus. So whether a person is a believer or not, the enemy tries to take them out as much as he would you because the potential to have dominion and authority over all of the work of darkness. Uh, that's in every person. The bars are full of people that have this, authority, uh, this potential in them if they ever get a revelation of Jesus. They're going to rise up and be totally different. That's why if somebody says, yeah, I was in prison, I was in all of that, Pastor, or I've been in trouble, or I've done this, or I've done that, and I'm thinking, well, hallelujah, you finally came to yourself, got out of the pig pen, and now it's time to become everything God called you to, uh, to do, everything God wants you to be. Uh, listen, who cares about your past? We care about what God's going to do right now and how He's going to use you in the future. That's what's important. I don't know about you, but I remember what He brought me from. We, we never forget how God delivered us. Shout amen. amen. So he rebuked, the Bible says, the seen realm. Jesus rebuked the wind, it says. Everybody shout rebuke. rebuke. Now this is interesting, and, I, and my time's up just about, so listen to this right here. It says he rebuked it, but that's not the, the, the Greek word, the word that Jesus would have spoken. That is not the word uh, right there, rebuke. The English word rebuke, that's not it. That's what the translators use that particular word. And I guess it's sufficient for the time being. But as you study, you find out what that word means. The word rebuke is the word E-P-I-T-I-M-A-O, epitomeo, like epitomato juice or so, epitomeo. An interesting word, uh, two words put together. But for the sake of that, understand what it means. It just means to humiliate. It means to humiliate with words. It just literally means to humiliate. It means to chide. Uh, it means to verbally assault with words. It means to censure something. You see, the devil was full of pride. And he is full of false pride. And that's why he was cast down. That's where the, that root got in him that caused him to be cast down. Does everybody know what I'm saying? Wave your hand if you know what I'm saying. That's in the Bible. False pride did that. That's why he rose up against Jesus uh, and God in heaven. And was cast down because pride was in him. Therefore, he activated something in him called iniquity. And that's why uh, the word says that pride comes before a fall. Because that's what happened in the beginning uh, when, when Lucifer was cast down. Uh, but anyway, it says right here when Jesus was talking to that wind, which was the unseen source of the seen problem, he said he just spoke to that in such a way as he assaulted that spiritual realm. I believe there was a demon trying to sink the boat because he's about to uh, glide right into a graveyard at Gadara and there's a man with 6,000 demons there, which is a military term. And, and that demon in him was named Legion. That's in the Bible. If you read chapter five, it would be there. And that thing was up in the mountains up there and could see out over the sea. And all of a sudden, one night on a clear night, here comes, the scripture says, Jesus and the posse, they're coming across there on a nice night. They're just floating across there. And all of a sudden, bam, just like that. 
A storm came that was trying to sink that boat. And the, the, the disciples just did not know and understand yet how they were supposed to operate. So God uh, saved that for you and me to get some understanding there. And uh, Jesus rebuked him. Now, when Jesus goes and later on in chapter five, when he rebukes the demon and tells that thing to go into the pigs, it's the same word. When he casts that, uh, that uh, legion out of that man, it's the same word as when he spoke to that uh, wind. He rebuked it. And it's like Jesus was saying, I don't know exactly how he would have said it because the Bible doesn't say it. The word we get right here, the King James English word that we get, of course, is the word rebuke. But Jesus just shamed the devil. He just took authority, took dominion over him. It's like, who do you think you are harassing my kids? And he rebuked him and he assaulted him with his words. And he, he humiliated him. And that was the worst thing that could happen to the devil in that particular dispensation. And that, at that particular time, uh, Jesus just took authority over him totally, which would have been a great humiliation because the devil thought he had all, uh, that spirit thought it had dominion over everything. Are you listening to me? So when you rebuke something, you can use the word rebuke in the name of Jesus if you got some faith working in your heart. But what he's saying literally is, you have no dominion over me. You have no authority over me. Jesus has already defeated you. Come on, listen to me. I'm talking about you. The blood of Jesus is against you. The name of Jesus is over you. You have no dominion, no might in my life. Go in Jesus' name. It's something like that. And this was before Jesus had crucified and rose from the dead. But he, he captured it for you and me to understand it. Because we're, we're post-resurrection today. And he's already, his name has been glorified, the Bible says. And he's given it unto the, the church, the believers. And when you have a revelation of that name, oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. If I only said to you, well, you need to rebuke the devil. Uh, I'll tell you a story one time. Y'all want to hear this story? There was, there was a very good friend, and they were having a conference. And there were a lot of uh, motorcycle people that are Christians that were in this particular conference. And some of these uh, folks are, are pretty, pretty unique. But they love the Lord, and they were there. And so the wife was up there, um, and she was kind of hosting and talking, giving testimony and praise reports at the conference. And, and so there was a little lineup of these ladies that are around there. And she's saying, God's been good to us. He set you free. What did he set you free from? And this one said, well, I was in drugs. I was in prostitution. And I was in all that. The ladies were telling about that. And then he, he says something to another one. Another one says, well, I was in stuff and I'm not just uh, completely free, but I'm about to get free. I really feel like I'm so better. I'm yada, yada, yada. And she says to that person, well, you just need to curse the devil in Jesus' name. And the lady said, what? She said, yeah, just take your authority. Just curse the devil in Jesus' name. She said, okay. You blankety bank, blankety bank devil. She just goes off on him. You see, well, whoa, whoa, no, that's not exactly what I meant. That's not, that's, that's not what I mean. And sometimes we use words and we don't even think about what our words mean. But when you rebuke 
your adversary in Jesus' name. I'm talking about in that unseen realm. And you're saying to that sickness, get off of my body. And you're saying to that poverty, get out of my family and out of my lineage. And you begin to speak the word of God. Go ahead and define what you're saying. Go ahead and say, in the name of Jesus, every demonic force that's trying to hinder, I tell you, you're rebuked. You have no authority. You have no dominion. The name of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. I'll sick the angels of God on you in the name of Jesus. And when you speak that name on lips of faith, you activate that spiritual realm. What you bind, what you allow on earth is connected to that spiritual realm. But what you refuse and deny is also denied in the spirit realm. There's two realms. You okay? Did we learn something tonight? And so the Bible says, Jesus did that, and suddenly there was a great calm. There was a great calm. Great storm? The the word great is a, I like this word, the word great is the word mega, M-E-G-A. In Greek, the original word mega. There was a mega storm. Suddenly, Caught them by surprise. About to shake them to pieces. And then Jesus, come on, shout his name again. Jesus. Jesus stands up and says, I rebuke the wind. But we understand what it means. When he said it, and when he rebuked it, there was a mega calm. And it's the word for like tranquility. Peace. Jesus turns to the waves He spoke to the wind and rebuked it, the unseen. The waves are the seen part. Come on, I want our musicians to come on back up, uh, all of them if they would, uh, that are in here. And he turns to the seen realm. Then he says, peace, be still. He talks to the water, the seen realm, totally different. Like if you go pray for someone who's got sickness in their body, you say, in the name of Jesus, I command this infirmity to loose its hold from the spirit realm to the natural realm. But you don't go to that person then and rebuke that person. That's the seen person. No, but you can take authority in the name of Jesus over the unseen that's trying to cause the waves to fill their boat. You understand what I'm saying? And the Bible says there was a great calm, a mega calm, a mega calm, just a mega calm. I was in a business meeting today. I won't go into any detail. I was in a business meeting and there was a, a, a gentleman in there who has some real strong physical infirmities. And so at the end of this meeting, and it was something, that, you know, a good, it's good. It was all, it was a, a great meeting, but something that involves our church and some of the development things that we're doing. And so as soon as the meeting was over before we left, I said, sir, would you mind if I just pray for you? And, uh, and he's a Catholic, uh, a Catholic man. Uh, but he loves the Lord. And I said, would you mind if I pray for you? He said, sure, I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate that. And so I just laid my hand on him and began to pray. And in this business meeting that was interesting, to say the least, it was fascinating. In this, all of a sudden, a great calm came in there. Just a great calm. I believe a joy and an expectation suddenly came that was totally different. And business was over with. Now it was kingdom time. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
a mega calm begin to come. A mega calm. A mega calm. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Why not just lift your hands up right now and just thank God that you have authority in the name of Jesus. Come on, begin to pray your prayer. Sometimes we're trying to deal with the circumstance more than we are the root cause, the symptom, the unseen realm. But that which is trying to hinder, hold back, resist, sink your boat, hurt, why not take your authority as a child of God if you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer? Go ahead and step out on your faith. Wake up the word that's inside of you. Speak to that mountain and tell it to be gone. Doubt not in your heart. And the, the peace of God that passes understanding, the calm of God will begin to come as the adversary begins to loose their hold and the wind, the turbulence, the issue all around you, suddenly, even before you can see it, it's beginning to quiet down. It's beginning to change. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.